Church, you ready to open up God's Word? I pray that you are. I ask you to take God's Word and open it to Exodus chapter 20. When you get to Exodus chapter 20, put your finger on verse 8. I'll join you there in uh, just a few minutes. If you use the Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 83. Page 83 in the Pew Bible. I know you hate hearing these words, but I have a confession to make. I am a terrible napper. I am. I am not good at taking naps. Now, I don't know how I was as a baby. Uh, I don't have the ability to ask my mom to determine that. I just know that I'm a terrible napper today. It's not that I don't need a nap occasionally. My problem is, is that when I concede and decide to seek to take a nap, about the time I drift off, I catch myself and I actually feel guilty for taking a nap. I feel as though I should be getting up and doing something. And some of you are going, that doesn't surprise me at all about you. Church, I just want to tell you that uh, naps are a good thing. I am married to a professional napper. She, she understands the value of rest. She practices the value of rest. And uh, she sets a good example before me of which I have not followed. Church, I encourage you to plan a nap. Maybe today. This is one of those do as I say, not as I do kind of moments. Because I've already told you I'm terrible at it and I might try, but it's hard. I was talking to somebody this week who mentioned to me, they go, yeah, I know that about you. And it actually puts pressure on me because when you don't relax, Jeff, people around you don't always get to relax. And I understand that as a problem, as a failure point in my life. I did have a process for many years when, uh, before I was in the ministry where I would be preparing my Sunday school lessons, and typically that would have been a few hours on a Saturday. I would study, 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 and then I would get tired. And in that moment, I felt like a nap was the most appropriate thing. And so I would take a nap, and it would last only about 20 or 30 minutes, but I would go and lay down in this nap moment right there with books open and everything. I would stretch out in that moment, and in that 20 minutes, that 30 minutes max, when I woke up, it's as if God took all of the pieces and the parts of my studying and he ordered it for me and I got up and I knew exactly what I was supposed to teach, how I was supposed to teach it. I would get up and I would write those notes down. In that moment of rest, I can testify to you that God showed up over and over again. Now, I still do that in my office from time to time when I have so much running through my mind and in my heart because, see, God, studying God's Word, it's a pretty exhaustive thing, not just you can do a lot of it, but it can physically wear you down too, just that, that mental part. And when I find that I need clarity, that I have so much in there that I'm going, I can't preach this well and I can't preach this in under three hours, Lord, I know you need to tell me what you want to say. It's in that moment, church, that I don't need to try harder as your pastor in preparing that sermon. It's in that moment that I need to rest. You see, Psalm 4610 probably on some piece of wood written on your house or in your office. Psalm 4610 is a great reminder verse. It says, be still 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46.10. This verse, Psalm 46.10, gives us both a command, be still, and a promise that if you're still, you will know that I am God. God validates in this verse that rest leads to knowing, and knowing leads to exalting. We will live correctly before God as we follow his prescription for rest. Now, I ask you to stand with me as we read from Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 8 through 11 as we make our way through the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Picking up in verse 8, and I'll read through verse 11. This is commandment number 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughters nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to talk about this just a few minutes. If you're a note taker, we're going to say some other scriptures you might want to write down and be able to study later as God lays that upon your heart as you desire to apply more of this to your life. Recall we've stated that there are 10 commandments and the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. God. Now, if you'll recall, we studied the first three last week. Number one, no other gods before me. Number two, no images before me or of me. Number three, no improper use of God's name. And today's commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, church, as we study and everything that we're going to do for the next few minutes together, we must view this command as it relates to our relationship to God. God. Let that be the filter of which you hear everything, of which you see everything, of which you read everything in this few minutes together and in the days ahead as you seek to apply this to your life. Did you catch the subtle shift between commandment number three and commandment number four? Let me just point that out to you. All of the first three commandments start with some version of you shall not, you shall not, and you shall not. But today's commandment, go and look at it. It doesn't do that. It it begins with an affirmative statement, something that we are to do. Remember. That's what it says. The first word in there is remember. And church, when I read that, God said, okay, that's the direction that we're going to go as it relates to this because, see, remembering is a relationship word. And so we want to be able to remember as we work through each of these things. We are called to remember what? Well, that verse is easy. It says, remember the Sabbath. The term Sabbath actually means to rest, to cease. It actually means or to keep. The Sabbath began as a call to not work, but to rest so that we can remember, so that we can Keep, and it's important that you understand the flow that God gave us. But before we discuss what the Sabbath is, I'd like to spend a moment talking about what the Sabbath became prior to that. You see, the the Sabbath, as it says in this scripture, has long been considered the seventh day. 
And the seventh day was considered to be Saturday. Scripture teaches us eight times, eight times, church, and anytime Scripture takes time to mention eight times, it's something we need to pay attention to. Eight times that man is to work six days and rest one. In today's verses, it said, work six and rest one. In Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 23, Exodus chapter 31, Exodus 34, Exodus 35, Leviticus chapter 23, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, eight times in Scripture, we are told to work six days and rest one. So my first question is, is perhaps we're working too little. And you're going, well, I didn't see that twist coming. But see, we work real hard in the United States to try to get time off. We work five days. Sometimes we work four on and three off. Scripture teaches six days in one, and so I use that as a little bit of a Jeff battle cry. That maybe me working a lot is actually obedient. And so before you can ever have a complete understanding of what rest is and its purpose and its reason, we also have to have an appropriate understanding of what work is. And Scripture teaches us that we are to work. Work is a blessing from God. Now, I want us to draw a distinction here. It's important. God didn't say be employed. Right? See, employee means a job. I think I mentioned to you before, maybe even last week, I'm going to say it again just in case I didn't. I get in my car, my phone knows everything about what I do. It tells me where I'm leaving, where I'm going, even before I know where I'm going sometimes. Does yours do that? Mine will get in, I'll start my car on a Monday morning, it says 15 minutes to work. And it'll give me this address, and it says travel is, I mean, the traffic is light. And I go, uh-uh. I don't go to work. I go to the church. I get to do things for the Lord. But notice the scripture didn't say be employed. It said work six days. So before you misunderstand what I'm saying, I don't know that you need to go get a second job. I'm not sure that you need to increase your employment hours. I think that we need to look at this appropriately as work, not employment. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the work, except the Bible tells us that we are to do it. Perhaps we rest too much. You see, if you work too little, then you rest too much. And at times, we seek to maximize rest and minimize work. God calls us to work. But hear this. He also calls us to rest. But he calls us, calls us to rest properly in the right way, for the right purposes. Vacations are good. They're important. Rest is good. Naps are good. Remembering is good. All of these things are good. Note what Jesus said about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath and everything that comes with it is a gift from God to us. There's a great insight, that is, that the Sabbath was made for man into how we are to view the Sabbath. 
You see, it's a gift to us. But I don't know about you, but I was raised and uh, that it, was, it became the standard rule on the Sabbath, whatever day you want to call the Sabbath. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It was seen as a restrictive day. We have allowed the Sabbath to become a shall not day when Scripture made it a shall day. You get that? Church, we need to understand that the Sabbath is not a day that limits us. You see, so many times I get conversations, Jeff, should I, should, should I do this on the Sabbath? Can I work on the Sabbath? All these things. I grew up where nothing was open on the Sabbath. You had to eat at home with family because there was nobody else's family making food for you to go get. And it was okay to cook on the Sabbath because the families would come together. We need to see the Sabbath, not through its restrictions that have been maybe placed upon us, but we need to see it as a good thing, as a shall day. Why do we want to do it? You see, because when we have the appropriate understanding of what we are to do and the appropriate understanding of why we are to do it, then we will probably better align ourselves and stay faithful in doing it. You see, God knows the effects of constant physical toll, not only on our body, but on our spirits as well. We could read a number of places in Scripture where Jesus valued rest and found a solitary place to be with his Father. Now, did he rest some? Yes, rest in the scriptural sense of coming before God. And that's what we're going to talk about because we are called to rest as well, regularly rest. I spent a lot, lot of time researching in Scripture and history about the Sabbath, and I'll tell you there is a lot out there, and if you want to learn a lot about the Sabbath, you can. You can just learn a ton about it. And while there are requirements that God sets out for us, the greatest requirement is that we are to use it as a day to remember. I can share with you about Sabbath days. I can reach to you about additional Sabbath days linked to the special feasts that God gave uh, Israel, which would make it on days that were not Saturday. I could share with you about the Sabbath week in Leviticus chapter 23. I could talk to you about the Sabbath year talked about in Leviticus chapter 25, I could show you where God commands the Sabbath to be observed on days that do not fall on Saturdays. I found that most of the very restrictive rules that were in place for the Sabbath were added by man and not by God. They were added by the Pharisees, the teachers, the rabbis, all of the people in position. There's actually a term for it I study. I didn't know this as much, but when I got to study, I might say the word wrong, but I know it's out there. There's something called the, in quotes, the 39 Melikot, M-E-L-E-C-H-O-T, the 39 Melikot. It is a highly detailed listing of 39 rules within the Jewish law identified as being prohibited by biblical law for the Sabbath. Understand this, I believe that the men attempting to create these parameters for adherence to this command created these specific rules, but they had a good desire in their heart, I believe, to try to protect people from breaking the Sabbath. But did you notice that even in the creation of these rules, they made the Sabbath a shall not day instead of a shall day? And church, we're going to try to redeem that shall day back. Let me give you an example of the 39 Melikot. 
There's 39 different phrases in there. One of them they gave you was winnowing. So I just picked winnowing, and I studied it just a little bit. Winnowing technically was defined as the separating of the desirable from the undesirable by using air, aggravation, or a process of some kind to break things apart. Based upon these rules, the 39 Melikot, it was considered breaking the Sabbath if a man took some peanuts and he shelled them and then he rubbed the paper off of the peanuts. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then ate the peanuts. That was considered breaking the Sabbath according to the 39 Melikot of the rabbis, teachers, and Pharisees of that day and in Jewish tradition even today. And you're going, that's silly. Jeff, I fret over should I mow my yard on Sunday. I had little little understanding that me shelling peanuts was going to put me on the wrong side of God. But let me remind you, that's the 39 39 Melikot. Rules added by man to the Sabbath. It's not biblical. It's not scripture. I can't take you someplace. Now, there are limitations about the work that you're to do in Scripture. I don't want to say that God did tell them to not do certain things. Best I can tell, the things they were told is don't work. Don't do the employment kinds of things. Don't try to gain. Don't try to do that because it was okay. We're going to find as we figure out how Jesus handled that. Jesus had already stated, I just read to you in uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was given by God, not, and if you go back and read this, not to man, for man. There's a purpose, a desire from which he gave us that, and it should be considered a good thing. And Jesus, by his actions in the ministry that he lived here on earth, sought to redeem back the Sabbath to God's original intent. Jesus, as we know, was perfect and holy and righteous in all that he did. And so everything that he did acted inside the will and the purpose of God and God's laws and commands. So the following actions, while they were against man's laws in Scripture, they were acceptable before the Father. Let me just run through and give you a few examples. I'm not going to read Scripture. I'm going to allude to it. In Matthew chapter 12, the first eight verses, Jesus is chided by the Pharisees as the disciples plucked grains of wheat to eat on the Sabbath. It's very interesting if you go back and do some research in there, the Israel was actually prohibited from harvesting the corners of their fields so that those who did not have could pull and eat from there. It was actually a law to provide a good thing, but now Jesus and the disciples got in trouble because the disciples were pulling grain, winnowing, and eating on that day. goes on in Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 14, that Jesus heals the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. And they question him, and then Jesus said, is it not lawful to do good? In Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 14, Jesus heals the crippled woman on the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 6, Jesus heals the man of dropsy on the Sabbath. In John chapter 5, verses 1 to 18, Jesus heals the man by the pool on the Sabbath. Remember, that's it. The man could not get there in time. The waters would stir, but he couldn't get there in time. 
and Jesus healed him. And I would encourage you, go read. That's just a, a, a crazy good story how they, the people who kept the law, kept trying to ask questions. And finally, the guy said, why do you keep asking me all these questions? Do you want to follow Jesus also? Go back and read that story. It's really an enlightening story. And then Jesus heals the blind man on the Sabbath in John 9. So right now, I would think that you may have grown up, as I did, being taught and viewing the Sabbath in a restrictive way, as a shall not day. But that's not what Scripture teaches, and that's not what God's intent is. So I want us to look very specifically about what God's purpose for the Sabbath is. And I believe there are at least four things that we can call out in Scripture today that we can then begin to take advantage of on the Sabbath. Now, I've already told you I could spend a lot of time debating whether the Sabbath needed to be a Saturday or a Sunday, but I can tell you based upon the practices, it likely fell on every day of the week at least many times every year because of the feast schedule and Pentecost schedule and then every 50 years the Jubilee schedule and all the things. And if you read Leviticus 23, 24, and 25, you're going to go, my goodness, they took the Sabbath all the time during certain times of year. God called them to do something specific. So let's look at our scripture for today in verses 8 through 11. I'm going to read it again to you because it's been just a few minutes since I read it. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but in the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord God made heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. Church, did you see that right there? God said, remember... And what he called us to do is to remember that he is the creator, God. Remember that it was God. You know, when we do this, when we will stop and remember that God is the creator, that our lives, even this next breath, are granted by God. We'll begin to look around and see his creation and be reminded of his power and of his love. We'll be reminded that our lives have been purposefully given, purposefully maintained in this day, that each day is precious, that each day is important, and God will be brought back to the center of our thinking if we would but stop and remember that God is our creator. That's one of the things Scripture says. Now, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn there to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 5 is Moses' later retelling of the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, allow me to read verses 12 to 15. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant or your female servant nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within the gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Did you see that? 
we were called to remember not only that God was creator in Exodus chapter 20, but we are called to remember in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that God is our deliverer. Chapter verse 15 said, Israel was once slaves, but God has delivered them. Church, can I tell you that I was once a slave to sin? But God delivered me through his mercy, through his grace, through the demonstrating of his love, through the giving of his son, Jesus. And now scripture tells me that I am more, more church than a conqueror. I am saved. I am redeemed. And in the sight of God Almighty, through Jesus and his blood, I am perfect, holy, and righteous. And so many times we do not carry the appropriate view and perspective of ourselves because we do not rest, we do not remember that God is our deliverer. If you know Jesus as your Savior right now, you have been set free. And if you spend some time thinking about that, God will start becoming the center component in your life. When I view God, he helps me view myself better, the way I should be. When I forget, it's when I wander away. And today, you have to decide, are you wandering or do you know? Now, I'll also take you someplace else. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to write this scripture down, Exodus chapter 16. You're going, Jeff, we're going backwards. That's no fair. We'll never get done with the book if you keep going backwards. But in Exodus chapter 16, in verses 22 to 26, I want you to remember this is the first mention of the Sabbath in Scripture. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much, we're talking about manna, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, the holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you shall bake today and boil what you shall boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up until morning and Moses commanded and it did not stink nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. You know, God had provided for them their food and their water through manna and quail and then the water that he had provided. But he told them here in Exodus chapter 16 for the very first time. So the Sabbath is not a new thing to them when they hear this command. Don't go gather. On Sunday, it won't be there. On on the Sabbath, it won't be there. Don't go gather. Don't look for it. But I'm going to give you this rule that if you'll gather twice what you need on day six, I'll make sure that what you have stays good on day seven. Church, you can see here that we are called in that moment to remember that God is our provider. He's our provider. He provides everything that we have. All that I have is from God. Everything. I am blessed by it. I am a steward of it. But I only recognize this, that God is my provider When I choose to rest and remember, when I forget, I begin to treat it as mine. And it changes how I see everything. So God says, you need to remember 
that I am creator, God. You need to remember that I am deliverer, God. You need to remember that I am provider, God. And yes, there's one more. Exodus chapter 31. You want to write that down? If you're keeping up with me, that's good. Exodus chapter 31. And when you get to Exodus chapter 31, I'm going to read verses 12 to 18. Exodus 31, verses 12 to 18. And it says this, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. God says, you keep the Sabbath because when you rest, when you cease, when you choose to keep, when you choose to remember, you will remember that I am sanctifier God. And church, that's an important thing. You see, once we come to faith in Jesus, God has promised you that through the working of the Holy Spirit, that he will make us more and more and more like Jesus, like his son, leading one day through sanctification to our glorification in heaven. Can I tell you this, that God is not done with you. Wherever you are, he desires to reshape your life, to teach you, to lead you to live for him. I'll just tell you I am loving Exodus because I'm not the person I was when we started Exodus in January 31st. God is just slaying me with his word as he teaches me new things and causes me to become more and more and more that new creation that he promised to make me. God's not done with you. God wants to grow you in your spiritual maturity, in your authority, to grow into what God has promised to make you. You see, God loves you just as you are. But his great love will not allow him to leave you just as you are. Sanctification, God says, tomorrow you will be more like me if you will but remember rest. Remember that I am sanctifier God. It is God that has promised to work in you to bring about his good purposes. And only when we rest and remember will we yield our lives to the Father. Creator God, provider God, deliverer God, sanctifier God. God calls us to remember to rest intentionally for our good. Church, can I tell you that we are not called to a day. We, as children of God, through Christ, are called to a purpose, and that purpose is to remember. God's Word reminds us of one final thing we are to remember. This was the clincher for me. If you want to turn with me, you can. I'm going to Nehemiah chapter 13. If you're in that pew Bible, I'm going to give you a clue. It's on 565. You're going, man, I need to use that pew Bible more often. But in Nehemiah chapter 13, God taught me a point as I was studying his word. Now, before I read that scripture, let me give you a summary point that God reminded us we are to remember. How we live before God either draws people to Jesus 
or pushes people away from Jesus. In the book of Revelation, remember what God said about lukewarm? Makes him sick. Church, we need to understand that we are either drawing people to Jesus in our lives or we are pushing people away. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 to 18. Just, just read this with me. Nehemiah 13, 15 says, In those days, this is Nehemiah, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Verse 16, Men of Tyre dwelt also there, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? You're going, Jeff, I didn't catch anything about remembering right there. Nehemiah warned the people. It goes on right here that they were not keeping the Sabbath, that the Lord would judge their actions, that the Lord had judged their actions in time past and put them into captivity. But look at verse 16. This is what caught my eye. It says, the men of Tyre dwell there also. The men of Tyre. These were not Israelites. These were Gentiles. These were men and people whom God wanted to come to faith in him. These are men that we are too, as Israelites in that day, to live before, to be a witness about who God is, God's love, and his son. But church, I contend that in that day, that's what Nehemiah was saying, and today, if we don't understand this, is that when we do not remember and rest, and remember that God is our creator, our deliverer, our provider, and our sanctifier. When we do not rest, when we do not remember, then Scripture says we cannot be holy. Our witness before those who do not yet know Jesus is wrecked. We push people away from Jesus when we don't remember. And God says that by our resting and by our remembering, we can be a blessing to other people. Just imagine this. If we begin to purposefully take a time to rest, to remember, to allow God to refresh us, rejuvenate us, and remind us of who he is, what he has done, and what he desires to do. Just imagine what happens when you come out of that rest. You're ready to Jump into what God's called you to do. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. When we see the commandment that way, I know when I do, it changes how I view everything about it, especially how I view God. Amen?